Hey guys, welcome to the Bag and Broadcast episode number 443. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. First, bring you the Week in Geek, bring you all that hot news from the world of geek. No, yep, no, that's yeah, what we do head, there. Paul. Shake yeah, your head. Did that, did that one, Ron. Uh, <laughs> what's what's then, next, though, uh, after that segment? Then we go, we go into the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out May 19, 2021. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite original graphic novels, and these are some of the graphic novels that we can go back to again and again. And Paul threw a curveball at us, and I'm keeping it in the show. He said maybe, depending on time. So I'm changing this to two we do and one we don't. Because two we like, two we don't. Oh, two we don't. Oh, one we don't, sorry. Okay. I was keeping with the the flow. John's looking at his bookshelf. Two yes. we do, one we do. I had one, I didn't write it down, and now I don't it's remember. It's on your bookshelf. <laughs> like you're just looking over your shoulder. We, we probably got a good 30 minutes before we get to that main topic, John, so you'll be fine. I suggest you crack open a beer and just, you know, let your, your uh, brain cells just quickly fire on their own. And you, you'll get there. I've cracked one, Paul, oh. and I'm... I'm ready to talk about this delicious uh, beer. I am drinking from New Belgium Brewery. Their Summer Bliss, a tropical wheat ale coming in at 5.5. And this is a mango wheat coconut wheat ale. And this is delicious. Um, You get that mango kind of up front, and then there's this big pop of coconut, which you almost feel is like overpowering. And then it fades away with the lemon and it's really refreshing really crushable and uh i like this a lot and i thought i was just gonna drink a little bit of it maybe finish it maybe it not because i probably wasn't gonna love it but i like this a lot i'm two for two this night because i drank a i drank a big wave from kona before this and i really enjoyed it I'm surprised because I think I tried their Kona's nut, nut Brown or something, and I didn't like that. But Big Wave is good from uh, Kona? Yes, they're golden ale. Yeah, it's, just a, it's a golden ale. Uh, it's got like a little bit of hop on it, but it's just a really nice, really just nice drinking beer. And then this Summer Bliss from New Belgium. Also really nice. Yeah. And enjoyable. Also really good. With wheat and mango. Uh, like Ooh. it and lemon and coconut and chris it's a very it's a it's a more clom- complex beer than i thought it was going to be and chris what are you drinking uh, i still have two beers left over from the sweet water sampler packs that john and i picked up for episode number 442 and these two are just in the box that i picked up that john didn't get and the first one is their better days kind of sort of ipa with super fruit uh, what super fruit? I don't know. It just says it's an IPA laced with notes of tropical fruits. Uh, we're raising a glass and thinking to better days behind and better days ahead. Um, this is pretty crushable. It's only 4% ABV. I think it's a better session than the locale high light, whatever we had 
from the first sampler pack that was their low calorie, low carb like session. Um, that one was just pretty bland. This one has a pretty decent flavor to it. It's not great, but I'd say it's better than that other one. Not as good as some of the other IPs that we had out of that pack, though. But the one that I do have coming up next, I actually really enjoyed, and I'm kind of upset that it wasn't in the other pack, so John didn't get a chance to try it. But more on that later. Paul, what you got? I got from my uh, paling around town with my wife, uh, my trip, uh, you know, for my birthday, we went to Rochester and we went to Other Half, and I picked up uh, not only the boxcar that I had last week, uh, but I also picked up this. They're plates on plates here, Imperial Indian Pale Ale, registering in at a mighty 10% ABV, or, yeah, ABV. Uh, but uh, doesn't taste like it. Doesn't <laughs> taste like there's 10% in here. It's just sort of like a really nice, easy-drinking Indian I, uh, a double, I'm guessing, yeah, Imperial, so that's yep. like a double IPA, right? Imperial is all the same. Um yeah, not not exploding, not blowing out my taste buds on any of the hops. Just uh, yeah, nice little bit of citrus bitter, but it's not a big fruity IPA either. It's just a easy drinking, not asking much of me. Just uh, just keep on drinking, kind of IPA. Yeah, uh, I've had this one so. in the past, and I remember always liking it. Because you had mentioned, like, oh, what should I try if I go there? And I was like, well, Plates on Plates is always really good. And it is. Yeah, it's got a nice... There's, It's not a big bitter to it. It's, there's a bitter aftertaste, and then it mellows out. And you get that kind of more, like, zest... Not zest, but, uh, yeah, like, I guess zest of, a, of an orange. Or, you know, not quite the tart as a lemon. But a, a juicy, like, uh, but not sweet. Juicy with citrus, but not overly citrus. I wouldn't put this as one of the big uh, juice bombs. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's nice. It's ref- it's um, it's uh, refreshing nice. in this way. So, so you know what I think is refreshing? Taking news? a walk out to the news garden. Ooh, where we have. Yeah news story to talk about because we actually got our first trailer for Venom 2. Let there be carnage or there will be carnage. I already forgot the name of this one because there I will the be time. carnage. Okay. I, I thought that's what it was, but then I was thinking, I was like, no, maybe I'm thinking about there will be blood. Um, I think that's the riff. I think they're gotcha. going for that. Um, again, not having not seen the first one because I didn't really care to. I've never been a big Venom fan. This one really didn't do too much for me either. It comes off really goofy. I don't know if that was the tone of the first movie or if like now they're just showing like Eddie and Venom kind of like being buds. I'm sorry, it's Let There Be Carnage. Let There Be Carnage, okay. <laughs> I was Again, so wrong. I, I do um, not know. There I, was humor in the in the first one. And I think they were following along with that tone where it will be kind of over the top and violent because it was a rated R movie that they cut down to PG-13 for the theatrical release. And I think this is going to be kind of playing in that PG-13 realm, it seems, with some maybe over the top um, violence and 
I enjoyed the first one. It's one of those ones that I never really feel like I need to see again. But I, I liked it well enough. Um, so I would I would see this movie. I wouldn't pay ticket price because I didn't pay ticket price um, last time. I think I just rented it or it was on one of the streamings that we have. And, uh, yeah, like... Is Venom s- supposed to sound like Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors, though? Because that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Ooh, I'm going to eat the shop lady. You don't got chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Feed Miss Seymour. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just it had that, that ring to it. But also, did Venom speak in the first one? Yeah. Again, I... And it spoke... Like, okay. it's... I, I believe it's um, the actor, what's his, uh, Tom Hardy, doing the voice of Venom 2. And it's like a modulated okay. version of that. So I think it's taking that. So I don't know. It- uh, we get s- some Cletus Cassidy, Woody Harrelson, which the only thing I really saw from the original trailer was, or not the original trailer, but the original movie was the trailers for it. And then the end credit scene with Woody Harrelson and his really bad red yeah. wig. Uh, it, it looks better yeah, in this one. Definitely, I don't know. Definitely uh, does. It. The complaints I heard about the first movie, though, with the CG being really kind of janky and just covered up by the fact that they were filming everything at night, seems to carry through to this one, though, where it's all very dark and they're just kind of letting the shadows do the work for them so they don't have to. Because mm-hmm. when you see the venom tendrils as they're like hanging out in the apartment. It just seems really kind of plasticky and really awkward. It kind of distracted me during the trailer. Yeah, And with Andy circus doing this, you would expect you would imagine he'd be using his team for motion capture and his special effects guys, because even his jungle book that was on Netflix was really good and looked really good. And that's like, one of the, I think is more one of the, should have been one of the more promising things was Andy Serkis being involved in this movie. Paul, did you watch the trailer or not? I watched the trailer okay. and uh, really I got, uh, it looks like, oh, we're, we're trying to do a horror comic book with, you know, Venom. And okay, cool. Like, it's not for me. Like, good on you if you enjoy it like there's nothing there's nothing that would make me mad about a venom like comic book movie anyways like because i have no affinity for that character uh i think the black suited spider-man looked cool <laughs> like but after that i'm like oh it's not just a gift from the yonder it's an actual alien symbiote not a symbiote but a symbiote uh cool cool all right so how long do you think before we get a Morbius trailer? Because it's been a while since we've heard anything about well, that. We got, like, we got a pretty decent Morbius trailer back before COVID. I thought, I thought we agreed not to talk about it. I thought we agreed that we were just going to let that like just stay buried and just hope that it never saw the light of day. Because they're still making that movie, right? I'm not it's, crazy. That was something I'm that was pretty sure it, and they put out like pictures. I'm pretty sure it's and, made. It's just sitting there waiting to go out. But Jared Leto, right? Yeah. Is Morbius? <laughs> uh, 
I can't say anything. It's, it's I have supposed to come out January twenty first, twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. So twenty two. More than a year, Chris. What do you? Yeah, twenty twenty two. Open for a trailer already, man. Well, they More put the teaser trailer for it out January thirteenth, twenty twenty. And it, I mean, it wasn't just a teaser trailer. It was like half the movie. I don't even remember it, and I'm glad I don't. But yeah, this... I'm, I'm honestly more likely to see Morbius than I am Venom or Venom Two at this point, though. And it's not because I love the character or Jared Leto. It just from what I remember from having watched that trailer over a year ago, because I haven't gone back to it since. I think it looked that bad. It didn't look good. It looks like it had a thin layer of cheese drizzled over it as well. Uh, sometimes you just <laughs> like a little bit of cheese. Mm-hmm. Alright, so uh, that's news, right guys? That's, that's the that's the only news story that we had. Kind of, I don't want to say a slowie because I know there's some other stuff that happened, but... Right, like, Nothing that I'm kicking down doors yeah. to discuss, though. Yeah, but nothing geek-worthy. Like, yeah, we could talk about an oil hack, and we can talk about blah, blah, blah news and unemployment numbers. And But that's not what people are here for. They want to talk about comic books, guys. And there's comic books coming out May 19th? Yep. 2021! That would be the date. Well, what's great is now I have two shots at it. Because there's comic books that come out on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, uh, Johnny started off the beer. So let's let Chris start off the comic book picks. Uh, this is kind of a slower week for me. There is some stuff coming out that I will be buying, but there's nothing that I'm really super excited for. So I'm going with Star Wars The High Republic number five, uh, spinning out of the Marvel Comics and Lucasfilm publishing push for The High Republic. Um, I don't know. I'm happy spending some time in this universe between the High Republic comic and then the High Republic novel, which I do want to read more of, so I can actually talk to my buddy Paul about that. Um, I did pick up the High Republic Adventures number four by mistake. I haven't read that, though, because that's the kind of more kid-oriented book. Mm-hmm. But there's probably going to come a time where I'm sitting around and I want to read something and I see that there. Um, who knows? I might really enjoy that one, but I'm I'm looking forward to this one with more Jedi that I can't pronounce their names, like Vernessa Rojo, Emiri Canatros. Wait, which one was the first one again? Uh, Vin- Vernestra Rowe. It's like oh, Rowe. I thought you said Rojo, and I'm like I'm pretty sure I had that on a taco once. Means red. I think it's 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 a red sauce. Yeah. Yes. It's good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, this is a quality book. I dig it, uh, especially alongside the other Star Wars books that I only really pick up in trades. Um, it's kind of nice having my monthly Star Wars fix this way. Because otherwise, if I was picking up all those other Star Wars books and not just buying the trades when they go on sale around Star Wars Day, it'd be very expensive. <laughs> Paul, what are you looking forward to? But Paul... I'm looking forward to a Fantastic Four book, surprise, surprise. But this is to celebrate the Fantastic Four's 60th year anniversary. And uh, we're getting Mark Russell taking a look at uh, basically the Fantastic Four's life story. 
I'm Mark Russell, isn't that the guy that my grandmother used to watch? He'd play like the patriotic like parody songs on his piano. <laughs> I know deep, who you're talking about. Is that about. a deep cut? Is that bow his name? That's his yeah, Bowtie. Uh, he was always yeah. on PBS. Uh, yes. He was great. I liked him quite a bit as a kid. I like when they did, they made fun of him on, or did a parody of him on um, Mr. Show. But it was a. Uh, well. They did. That was the thing. <laughs> Uh, Mark Russell is a political satirist. Wow, nice. that's a that's a strong poll wow. for you, Chris. That is a very strong. That's a strong um, poll for anybody. Fun, fun fact: He was actually born in Buffalo, New York. He's currently eighty-eight years old. Maybe that's why my grandmother loved him so much. Maybe it was just like maybe it was player. somebody she might have known. She might have listeners. If you know who we're talking about, email us over at beggingboardcast at gmail Let me know if this was the thing outside of Buffalo because I'm assuming it was, but that was before I found out he was from Buffalo. Uh, well, no, Mark Russell is the guy that was writing the Wonder Twins, which you picked up. Ah, yes, I did enjoy that one. Uh, I look he also to wrote that in a trade paperback eventually. He also wrote uh, like Flintstones. He also wrote, I think, that one comic about. Uh, he did a bunch of those, uh, like, Hanna-Barbera kind of uh, comics for DC Comics as well. Um, I didn't mind that Flintstones one that we read. Yeah. It wasn't bad. And art is by Sean Izaki. And it's uh, amid the backdrop of the Cold War and the space race. A terrible accident gives the Fantastic Four great powers a terrible secret and entangles them in the history of their planet. So, uh, yeah, so this is going. This is a period piece plus the uh, retelling of the Fantastic Four story. Just what we need. Uh, I'm excited to see how he handles it. Just what we need. Hmm? Oh, we need, yeah, we constantly need to be reminded of the origin story of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Uh, and I am looking forward to Legends of the Dark Knight number one. This is written by and art by uh, Derek Robertson. And I always enjoy picking these up. I picked these up, um, I don't know, four or five years ago when they did this before. Um, kind of just self-contained little stories, quick and easy. Sometimes they're a single issue. Sometimes they're two issues. Um, but just fun Batman stories. Uh, this one has Joker, Penguin, and Mr. Freeze in it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, he's doing the covers as well, and I like the look. Like the art on the cover looks nice. I'm interested to see how um, how this goes. Um, I'm I I got my Nightwing book. If I can just get a enjoyable, fun Batman book, uh, I'll be happy. What do you say? It's just what could you be, need. Could be just what I needed. Ooh, I don't even know if I can qualify this as a beer. This is uh, from Frost Brewery up in North Tondawanda. You know, it's the label says Buffalo, but it's North Tondawanda. It's military and hurdle. It's um, North Buffalo, Tondawanda. It's 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 it's, it's North Buffalo, Tondawanda. <laughs> it's. It's not. I live in. I live in North Tonawanda. It is very close to Tonawanda, but there is a a right, line well, there, and it's it's Sheridan Drive. It's close. It's very close. It is. Very uh, close. This is six point five percent alcohol by volume, and this is a liquid liquid lollipop, which is their triple fruited sour ale. 
Now, when you go there, there's going to be a bunch of these liquid lollipops. And I picked up the one with strawberry, kiwi, marshmallow, graham cracker. Um, it is big on the strawberry. Very little on the... I'm getting, I guess, the sweetness from the marshmallow. Uh, no kiwi whatsoever. And no graham cracker. Yeah. Now, I've only had a few sips of this. And um, it is chilled, but not super warm. So maybe as it warms up, I'll get more mallow and more graham cracker. But it is... I wouldn't recommend letting okay. it warm up. It is just like drinking a strawberry smoothie. It's delicious. It's great. Um, if it's bad warm, like I was like, oh, it, maybe I should bring this disc golfing. It's so, so, but it's a little too I, filling, I think. I don't think I could chug this or drink this like quickly. Like, no. And if it's not good warm, I wouldn't want it out on the disc golf field either. But of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be visiting Chris soon, and I might, I might stop and pick up a couple of these, Chris, because you had said like Ellipses has a beer like this. I, they're just they are worth a try, and I can see why people really love them. My wife really loves them because they are they're just a big fruit smoothie. They're fu- fruit puree with so, alcohol that's, in it. And that's good. That I, I like that, but even that kind of thing. I'm fine with just like a taster of it. Like I don't need a lot yeah. because yeah, it might taste good, but it's so thick that I don't need any more because I'm looking for something. Just, I, I live in Orlando, fucking Florida. Like it's disgusting here. Most of the time I want something I can drink. I can drink quick. It needs to be like crisp, refreshing, flavorful. And like a chunky beer might be good, but that's not the kind of thing that I want to have at the bar and just be like, Ah, you know what? Give me another one. Like, I've enjoyed many of these outside on a hot summer day, mm-hmm. and it's the watermelon, strawberry, cherry one. And it's like, man, this is such a nice, refreshing strawberry <clears throat> drink or the watermelon or any of the crazy flavors that, that are in those. They are refreshing enough that it is like... Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm going to put my feet up, lean back in my chair and <laughs> drink this smoothie. Um but yeah, like I can also understand where you're coming from, Chris, cuz there are times where I'm like, man, I don't want to tr- <laughs> I, I don't want to finish this. And Caitlin will she'll have 3 of them in a <laughs> She loves them. That's a There's lot of money to drink quickly. It's it's $25 for a four pack. So drinking three of them in a yeah, day. but if you buy, if you get six of them, you get the six. You get you only pay for five. <laughs> okay, still I didn't know that deal. <laughs> so if you spend fifty, yeah, <laughs> you get it for forty-seven dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the math. I didn't do the math. No, that's okay. But Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, something I think I would drink on a hot day. Uh, also. From my Sweetwater sampler pack. This is their blue. And this is a wheat ale with fresh blueberries. And the closest thing I can really compare this to that you guys have probably had would be the Ellicottville Brewing Blueberry. Mm. Where it's a nice just base wheat beer. But then it's an actual real blueberry taste. Like you get that earthiness. You get that kind of tart. It's not overly sweet. And any of that sweet that you're getting is probably more from just 
the fact that it's like a cereal. It's like a wheat beer. Yeah. Uh, this is delightful. I have only ever actually seen this in the sampler pack, even though Sweetwater's right from Georgia. We get a lot of beers from them being in their distribution footprint. I can find stuff on tap. I can find six packs. I'm kind of surprised this isn't something that's just on tap places or available in, in a six pack outside of the whatever it was like the 12 can sampler pack. Cause this, this I think is different from everything else that a lot of breweries down in the Southeast are putting out where it is more tropical flavor. Like you want something crisp and nice and fruity. There's nothing wrong with this earthiness though. Interesting. Yeah. I'd like to try that. Um, and I'm drinking from New Belgium Brewery, their V2K IPA. This is a grapefruit guava IPA. It's it's good. Um, but it's... The guava is very overpowering. And I think you just, like, on a super hot day, like, I just finished mowing the yard. Mm-hmm. Um I think I would be appreciate this beer more. Um, next to the Summer Bliss, I really enjoyed those tropical fruits and how they played with the beer. Over this, and maybe if I hadn't had that beer first, I'd probably really like this. The fruit flavors are there, and it still has some hoppy character of an IPA. Um, and I don't think this is bad, but it's definitely not my favorite thing right now. Mm-hmm. I just dribbled my seltzer on me. That's 6.9, and it hides that percentage Ooh. pretty well, too. Sounds sounds worth a try. Yeah, it's good. They put out a... They had a... This character is... Uh, the Voodoo Ranger on it is 90-themed. And the Ooh. the one from last year was 80s themed, so he looked like he was wearing that, uh, you know, like the the mall drinking cup with the purple with the squiggle line. He looked like that, but this guy's wearing like Buffalo Bills Zuba, has a CD Walkman on his thing, a uh, Charlotte's Hornet jacket, and a Chicago Bulls jersey on, like. He sounds sounds pretty nineties. Sounds pretty nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean the beer's not it's not bad. It's good. It's just that guava's overpowering right now after having a big mm. wave in uh, summer bliss. And I'm going to shift gears completely. And wait before before we shift gears. <laughs> so I'm just Sorry, saying. I know I'm just saying to... in general. I'm shifting gears completely different from fruited <laughs> fruited beers to a black lager. Like should I shouldn't have well, done this. <laughs> How many more beers do you guys have? Is it just like one each? Or yeah, I can do another one. I have a fridge I have four seltzers to talk about, but I don't want anyone to try to feel like they need to keep up because all of these seltzers are only like 4.5% ABV. Like they're all really light. There's no sugars in it, only like one gram of carbs per each can. So like these are really nice light drinkers because I can just knock these out and still be fine for the rest of the night. I'm just wondering when I should pepper them in for the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, I can do this. I can do this, Dunkel, and I have a couple seltzers in my fridge, so I might be able to do a seltzer with you um, later. Um, but yeah, I I could maybe do something else. Yeah. So let's uh, we can do yeah. the first round of 
actually, I'm I'm good to go before the topic uh, again because uh, we have a dramatic reading, and then I can do it in my next beer. John, we always talk about this. You don't talk about the dramatic reading. Yeah, we just do it. Uh, but I mean, we could do our first trades and then a beer, and then talk, and then do our second trades, then a beer. I can I can do that probably. Okay, I'm fine with that. So that was a lot of behind the scenes. You're you're welcome, people. And now, a dramatic reading from Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number one, page 21, panel two. He will answer for his failure. And that was a dramatic reading from Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number one, page 21, panel two. Uh, a better Iron Fist book than I expected that one to be. Yeah. Uh, I w- have you picked up any more of that? Has there been a second issue? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's been a couple. I've. I was just going to wait for a trade and just probably just buy it and trade. Gotcha. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with waiting for a trade or waiting to pick up a uh, original graphic novel because it's always nice to sit down and get a full story in one shot. Uh, and that was kind of one of the things that went into the thought process behind this idea for our main topic, which is some of our favorite original graphic novels that we can constantly go back to. Because um, it's kind of like that comforting blanket. You know, everyone has a trade that it's on your annual reading list where you got to sit down and it just starts that love affair all over again. I don't know who wants to start it off. I don't know if you guys want me to because this was a me baby. It yeah. was a you yeah, baby, so I think you need to start it off. All right, I will give it a a one two punch with my very first pick. I love the comic book fables. Uh, came out years ago from Vertigo Comics, which has now just been rolled into the actual DC universe proper. Uh, but this is kind of the prestige format DC stuff. Like this was the more fantasy based corner of the DC universe. Uh, where it was a little bit more mature storytelling. Yeah, there were some more graphic themes to it, and that's some salty language, which is where they were getting their mature branding from. But they were also just very complex stories and very character-driven. And I loved everything that was coming out from Vertigo. I might not have kept up on a lot of it, but before we even started doing this show, if I saw a new number one coming out from Vertigo... I would have to check it out. And Fables is one of those books that instantly hooked me in because one of the things that I love from Vertigo was the Sandman story and just telling stories about the nature of telling stories really hooked me for some reason. And Fables was telling the tale of all of your favorite fairy tale characters had to flee their homelands because they were under siege by an enemy known as the adversary. And then they landed in New York city and set up their own secret community where they kind of lived and thrived under the nose of the mundane world. And about 50 issues in, they came out with their very first original graphic novel. And this is fables 1001 nights of snowfall. And this is actually an anthology book written by Bill Willingham, who wrote pretty much everything else that came out from Fables. Fables, the spin-off series, like Jack of Fables, 
fairest other uh, original graphic novels like Wolves in the Heartland. Um, ever after he wrote that, like a decade after Fables came out. Uh, but this is actually telling the story of Snow White, who gets captured by an evil Maharaja, and then kind of has to fill the Sherazadi role, where she's telling stories about the actual Fable characters. And this is, in some ways, an origin for some of those characters that you've already read like 50 episodes worth of comics from, but now you're seeing like the unfiltered versions of them. Uh, and the artwork in this is all stunning. It's done by kind of a who's who of not just Vertigo comics, but fantasy comics in general. Um, Asad Andrews, Brian Boland, Mark Buckingham, James Jean, uh, Tara McPherson, Jill Thompson, Michael Vess. There's some amazing artwork in this book. And it's all broken up by an actual, like, prose story telling, being told by, uh, Snow White, and as she's, like, interacting with, like, the Maharaja that's trapped her. And this is just one of my favorite books, not just because it's spinning out of one of my favorite comic books of all time, but just how they're able to tell all these stories about some of my favorite characters in Fables and outside of Fables. Um, Standout one for me is actually the... Frog Prince's Tale that tells the story of Ambrose, the janitor who's actually a secret king, uh, who we will later see in the Fables comic proper, go on to lay siege to the homelands and ultimately just fuck up the uh, adversary shit. So, Fables, 1001 Nights of Snowfall. It's one of my favorites, you can tell, because I actually have a physical copy of it right here in front of me, and it stands proudly on my bookshelf. What is it? Wait, was this OGNs and not trades? It could be trades, but uh, it was written on there, OGNs, favorite OGN, the graphic novel. Well, then I have a graphic (laughs) novel that I like, (laughs) and I just double-checked to make sure it was uh, a one-shot. And it's uh, JLA, JSA, Virtue and Vice. And this is basically... the coming together of the Justice League of America with the Justice Society of America for the most Justice Society of America thing to do, which is to get get together for Thanksgiving dinner. And you know what happens? Uh, bad stuff happens. Uh, you got uh, this, who is it? It's Desad, not Desad. I can't remember the stupid guy's name. Doctor Sorrow. And oh yeah, and Sparrow and Johnny Sorrow. Johnny Sorrow. That's his name. But the, they all crash the party, um, and then the seven sins are released as well. You know, lust, anger, and all that from the uh, Rock of Eternity, and hijinks ensue. But it's it's a great JSA story, and uh, I think it's wonderful because it also gets people uh, in into read the book because it has a JLA in it. So I think this is a great, like, first introduction to the JSA, like, those kind of characters. I love um, that they're having dinner together, and Superman and Green Lantern are, like, just hovering outside this, I think it's a space station. This is when the JLA Watchtower was, like, an orbiting space station. And they're just looking at the world, and they're just too, like, they're, they're both the elder statesmen of their group, 
and they're just kind of talking about like that kind of responsibility together. And I like those character moments that, you know, these are two different generations coming together and recognizing, no, no, we're both, you know, doing the same work. Just we're going about it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I really uh, enjoy it. I also really enjoyed this book written by Jeff Johns, art by Carlos Pacheco, if I'm correct. And David S. Goyer before he just started doing all the Arrowverse stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This yeah, was Carlos actually one of the uh, Jesus Marino, one of the very first JSA books that I ever read. So a lot of like that Justice Society family of characters I didn't know outside of like Alan Scott. Um, I think I knew Star Girl at that point. Is um, Jay Garrick in this one too? Yep, Jay okay. Garrick's there. Mister Terrific, uh, Doctor Strange, or not Doctor Fate, Doctor Fate. Uh, Shazam, of course, aka Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Like this, this is a great team up book because it does what I think DC does well with showing these kind of like lineage and legacy characters kind of all coming together to face a common threat. It isn't Star Girl yet. It's she's still Star Spangled Kid. At this gotcha. Point. Okay. Important for maybe another trade coming down the road. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> But also, like, Carlos Pacheco, fantastic artist. We did his book um, with Mark Wade. Not Mark Wade. Was it Mark Wade? Aerosmith. It's like the fantasy World War II book. Who wrote oh. that? Kurt Busiek wrote that one. Yeah, Kurt Busiek, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That one also had art from Carlos Pacheco. And his is a name, if I see it on a comic book, I'm going to be like, ooh, this is going to look really good. Because he has such a distinct, clean, clear style that it just, he can do pretty much anything and it's going to work. Yeah. I vaguely remember reading that book. Unfortunately, there's been lots of Justice League uh, kind of Injustice Society books that I do not 100% remember. We read a lot of comic books. We do. and For the show and not for it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, one of my favorite little books to go back to that is a single issue, which I wish was more, oh, looks beautiful, is uh, Nevermen. Uh, and this is written by Phil Amara and art by Guy Davis. And this is when I actually really started loving Guy Davis art. And then one of the reasons I picked up um, BPRD when he was doing the mm-hmm. art on that. Um, but this um, takes place in a city where the Nevermen, which are these trench coat fedora wearing uh, heroes of the city who take on a, a squid a squid face man, a um, the phantom of the he's called something, phantom of something, but he's. Not the opera. Not the opera, but he's a, like an aristocrat guy, but the top head, top half of his face is a skeleton, and he rides a like a skeleton horse. Like it has such great fun, kooky villains, and all of these characters they set up this world and make it feel like a real world that has been lived and breathed in for many many issues when it's only this condensed graphic novel, this small little trade. 
and it is got the right amount of kind of fun shadow phantom um the spirit feel to it but also kind of a cool sci-fi fun and it's uh it's a really great book that every once in a while when it's just like oh man i'm i'm gonna go sit outside and i want something to read it's something that i'll grab or when we go on vacation or i know i'm gonna be on a plane or you know my wife wants to sit out in the sun in front of a pool and i will sit under a giant umbrella without the sun hitting me and read a comic book or a novel uh this is one of the things i want to grab i also just randomly grab a starman trade as well and just sit and read that but uh, a star a starman trade you say yes yeah wow well speaking of something you might want to grab as you're sitting outside in the sun or in the shade reading a book um I picked up another sampler pack when I grabbed all that sweet water stuff to drink with John. And this is coming from Funky Buddha Brewing out of South Florida. Uh, they put out a sampler pack of premium hard seltzers. We've talked about seltzers before on the show. We're not huge fans of them, I think I can say, safely. like mm-hmm. It's something that's out there that's kind of on our radar. Because a lot of breweries are making seltzers now. Like... John said they're cheap for breweries to do. There's a quick turnaround on them. And people buy them just because they're cheap, they're crisp, they're refreshing. Uh, And they're a great summertime drink, which it makes sense to have that in Florida. Um, I don't know how in line this is with a bunch of other seltzers. Again, I don't drink them. But as I said, up at the front, they're all very low ABV. Every single one of the ones that are in the sample pack are all 4.5%. Uh, alcohol by volume, no carbs, no sugars, uh, and only 90 calories per can. Uh, first one I'm starting off with is their pineapple coconut flavor. And yeah, this is definitely a pineapple seltzer. Coconut's not really there. But I'm I'm sure it is involved somewhere in that brewing process. This is delicious. I can kind of understand why people like seltzers uh just based off of this one alone yeah it just if i drink seltzer waters as a replacement for drinking alcohol like it's like something i want to drink because i want to drink something with a little bit of flavor and not just water so i'm never going to drink a spiked seltzer just because i'm you know that's seltzer water is my replacement for alcohol Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's it's no calorie. They're, it's not going to ruin my teeth like a uh, zero sugar uh, soda, but it still has the bubbles and it's still kind of refreshing and has a you know yeah nice flavor. I I drink the off brand Wegman's brand. I don't drink uh, Lacroix just because our Lacroix. I was always a fan of the polar seltzers, especially when they would put out yeah. like, the seasonal or holiday flavors because. Same thing. I would rather drink something like that than an actual soda because I don't need all that sugar. And I'm kind of surprised just how none of these actually have sugar in them, but they still wind up being very flavorful. Um, Because, spoilers, I have had all of these in the lead up to the show because I live in Florida. Like, they're just nice to have in the refrigerator. Like, when you get home on a day where it's like 90 degrees outside. John, did you grab another beer? Or? Yeah. 
Oh, what, what are uh, you drinking? So I am drinking from the Vermont Brewery Von Trapp. Yes, this is the family that inspired the Sound of Musical. They have a oh, really? a brewery, uh, and they the Sound of Musical. You say the Sound of Music, the musical. Musical. <laughs> uh, I've never been a fan of the movie. I think of all that singing and dancing as a bunch of horseshit, and it uh, is boring in a movie. Uh, but for th- send letters to John, care of don't email us about this because I don't remember the email address dot com. Uh, but they make like German and Austrian style beer, so they're known for their pilsner, their lager, their hell's lager, their vienna lager, their oktoberfest and their dunkel which is their dark lager that i'm drinking right now. And for the most part a lot of dunkels i'm not a big fan of. I am um i am a fan of most black lagers uh which um Oh, I can't think of the name. It starts with an S. I'm uh, I'm a little in the bag right now. But uh, this, for a Dunkel, is got this nice little chocolate roastiness to it. Um, out of the variety pack, which had the Pilsner, the Hell's Lager, the Vienna Lager, and this, this was my favorite beer, and this is the beer I thought I was going to like the least out of it. Um, it... When I took my first sip, it, it just wowed me. And I went, holy crap, like, this is good. And um, all their beers are very good for those very simple styles that they're making. But this beer is, like, turned up a notch. It just is so easy to drink. The flavors are there. They pop. And, um, yeah, I enjoy their beers. But this is probably one of my favorite beers from them. It sounds good. I, I enjoy a dark lager. I enjoy a dark IPA. So, uh, not that I'm going to remember to look for this variety pack. But, it's not, you know, that's two out of the four that I probably like. I like. I probably like the Hells out of it and also this Dunkel. Yeah, the Vienna is really good, too. The Vienna and the Dunkel awesome. are my favorite out of it. I thought I was going to like the Pilsner the most, and it was actually my least favorite out of it. It still was good, well, but so it's a good variety pack. It's it's worth it's it's, it's not it's, a fun trap. No, it's not a trap. Uh, it's it's definitely worth a pickup. It's a little pricey um, for the beers that you're getting. It's like twenty ninety nine for the twelve pack. Um, but I mean, that's if you want some good, really easy drinking beers that are just that have they're not just easy drinking. They have higher quality to them yeah i was hoping the price was more 16 maybe going on 17 wow (laughs) i mean i let the first one slide i don't know if i can i can let that one go (laughs) so the first one being it's not a Von Trapp was okay because yeah. Star Wars reference. But the yeah, that worked, being, on, that worked on a couple levels. Uh, this one just being sound of musical only does not work. Okay. Just, just wondering where the <sighs> line is. Just wondering where the line is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we don't, we don't have to do this show anymore. 
<laughs> I thought we were getting rid of them last time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I've said before, just need one patron to pay me $3 million, and they can come on and be the co-host and producer of the Bag of the Boardcast. You two get a new friend. I get $3 million. It's win, win, win. Win. But I don't want a new friend, Paul. I want you. <laughs> yeah, and Paul, I just want you to be better. <laughs> Anyways, round two. Here we go. John, you said you uh, you had another book ready to go? Uh, Yeah. I really wanted to talk about... I can't find it. It's I have it in single issues. I cannot remember the name of the book. But it is a World War II comic book. Because I think I might jar Chris's memory or my own. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think about it already. It's a, it, it's a World War II comic book where you have the stoic, cornbread American soldier who ends up teaming with teaming up with a little person who... It, this would be the High Road. High Road! Ugh, thank you. Because I love this book. It is such a great book. But so you have the you have the American soldier teaming up with uh, now disgraced former cowboy movie star who is now in Germany performing as a Hitler look or he's in France performing as a Hitler lookalike who's a little person who's also teaming up with Hitler's ex girlfriend and a kamikaze a, a disgraced kamikaze pilot who decided to land his plane he's like, yeah, he's like i'm not doing this i'm not gonna do this it's stupid and they uh, have this adventure through france and end up uh, walking away from it uh with quite a bit of money and going on further adventures which i wanted to read further adventures of theirs but they never so- did any other books so I Googled it real quick just because I was like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it turns out this, I was a little bit wrong because it's called High Roads. Uh, it was a six-issue series, which was actually part of the Cliffhanger, Cliffhanger yeah. line of comics, which was also gave us uh, the vampire book Crimson, Danger Girl, and Battle Chasers. Uh, this was written by Scott Lodell. Oh, really? By, oh. Yeah, art by Lennel Francis Yu, who went on to become like, wow. Marvel superstar. Uh, but this is something like when I had the single issues, I'd pull it out all the time and read it. And it's been packed away, and I haven't been able to find it to buy it anywhere else. I'd like to look, now that I remember the name of it, uh, see if it's on Comixology, because I would pick it up in a in a heartbeat. But I love this book i love the premise everything was so was so great about this book it looked i mean it it looked amazing um and the story was just fun and uh yeah it's just one of those things that it's one of those books that if you say original graphic novel it's one of those books that i'm like yeah this is one of my favorite things uh it is not on comics yeah unfortunately yeah that's that's heartbreaking. Well, Johnny, you were searching it by little person Hitler. And it was just <laughs> little, like... Little person yeah, Hitler lookalike, and it doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. 
Because wow. he has Say Search on. That's why. <laughs> oh, oh, is that why? <laughs> it turns Say Search off. A lot of stuff will come Ooh, up. Okay, so it, it seems like this is hard to find because um, it's not in print. On eBay, trade of it sells for $50. I have the single so. issues. I could, I could find it. Well, Paul, what what, uh, what else do you go back to always? All right. No surprise here. John, uh, you know, he, he's a lovable scamp, and he already kind of mentioned it. And this is Starman, written by James Robinson, who basically helped relaunch the JSA over at DC as well, and uh, Tony Harris on art. And this is just following Jack Knight, who's the son of Ted Knight, who was the Golden Age Starman. And uh, Ted reluctantly takes the mantle of Starman after his brother, David, dies, like, basically his first night out as uh, the new Starman. And this book basically is Jack trying to, one, learn how to be a superhero, but more importantly, is trying to learn how to have a relationship with his father and also, strangely enough, his dead brother. Um, a lot of people go to this book saying, oh, it's just a great, like, black sheep, uh, black sheep of the family book, like, you know, reconnecting with an estranged father. Not that they hated each other or there was any kind of real bad blood. It was just two people that grew up and just didn't, no longer understood each other. Uh, Jack was happy, uh, running a vintage store, you know. And his dad was the scientist. He was, he, he was always looking at the stars and he wanted to do, you know, bigger and better things. He was always looking out, you know, at the, at the vastness of everything and how everything was connected and he wanted to be a hero. And Jack was more, you know, was a fine arts, a liberal arts kid and just wanted to, you know, was looking at the small things and the beauty of what was in front of him. And then he never understood his brother, David, uh, because David always seemed like all he wanted to do was please his father. And, and he just never understood that concept. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get that. I get a lot of this book from those that uh, trying to connect with your own family, who should be the easiest people in the world to connect with, because you share DNA, you share blood. You, but... Sometimes your family's the hardest people to connect with, and it, it takes, uh, you know, either, you know, a cosmic rod or the Bills doing really well at football for you to actually, you know, connect with your family. It's, it's you know, how it is. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. This is a book that I constantly go back to. It does get a little weird when he goes off and has an adventure with Cal L's dad. Uh, on Krypton, uh, the space cabbie shows up. It's it gets a little weird, but one is grounded in those moments on Halloween, especially on Halloween when he's able to have those meetings with his uh, brother David. I I really appreciate it. So, and it also eventually leads to Star Spangled uh, Kid becoming Star Girl. So, uh, all in all, a great book. It's uh, published in ten trade paperbacks. You can read, get it in. Thanks, guys, again. 
some of the best birthday slash Christmas gifts I've gotten. Uh, Omnibuy. Uh, in six different Omnibuy collections. Uh, one of those was the actual comic book store that we used to go to. The owner's private copy because it wasn't available for print anymore. Was it? Yeah, Trade 3, which is now uh, at John's place. Because I gave John all my trades once you guys started giving me all the Omnibuy. So, win-win right there. Uh, yeah, I... I, I basically spent the money to to get the books. <laughs> I, I bought the omnibus for you, so I can get the single issues. And I've loved the trades. I've loved myself, or yeah, for the trades. <laughs> and I've loved myself for it ever since. <laughs> it was it, it was great gifts, and uh, even better for everybody else because yeah. no, it's a great series. Uh, it's a series that I go back and try to read. I was doing it once a year for a good when I lived at the apartment for a good five years in a row there, and since I moved into the house, I don't know if I've actually reread it. So, but I will go back and probably reread it soon because it is that good. John's, John's eating chocolate cake. cake. I got a chocolate lava cake. My wife just brought it down for me. Ooh! Last last it. episode, I ate a giant chimichanga. This one, uh, chocolate cake. Yeah. Uh, I have a burger waiting for me in the kitchen. <laughs> but burger so, time later. Comics time now, Comics guys. time now. But it goes so yeah. good with my dunkel. Oh, yeah. I, I can get that. So, Chris, what's your book? Uh, so, my book is one that I know we have all read because we have read the sequels as well as the spinoffs. And this is actually coming from DC Comics. And this is their Earth One line of graphic mm. novels. And this is the Superman Earth One, written by J. Michael Straczynski, art by Shane Davis. <clears throat> and like I said, we have read almost every other one of these that have come out. I think the only ones that we haven't read yet for the show have been Green Lantern Volume 2. Which just recently There's, came out. It Yeah, it just came out, I think, like maybe a m- month or two ago. Yeah. Um, the upcoming Batman Volume 3, and then the have-yet-to-be-announced, officially and released, Flash and Aquaman ones. And isn't there a Wonder Woman number 3 coming, too? That's possible. That one I haven't seen, because I know we did read two, which I think is okay. Um, some of these have been very hit or miss, but I think right from the get-go... The Superman ones really came out swinging, and I think as a whole, having not read Green Lantern number two yet, the Superman has been probably my favorite one. Superman uh, one and two are definitely my top of this. The Green Lantern maybe second. Green Lantern's really good. Second too. second place with. That second volume of Superman, but this first volume of Superman is absolutely my favorite one. And for those that haven't checked these out or just not aware of it, the Earth One series of graphic novels are new original retellings of the DC superheroes' origins, and they're all independent of each other. This isn't a actual universe; it's more of just a publishing push. Um, so you don't have to read the rest of them to get the base of the characters or the rest of the story. It's just a standalone Superman graphic novel. And I think for an updated, 
I don't remember when this one came out, but it's like, you know, mid-2000s retelling of the Superman origin. I think J. Michael Straczynski nails it because it works so well. It it hits what it needs to do. It doesn't, like, fall too hard into the Superman tropes you've seen before. Like, the villain in this one's, like, Livewire, or is it Cardiac? Cardiac's uh, a Marvel character. No, wasn't the, isn't there a Cardiac with the staff? Is uh, yeah, oh. like he's a Spider-Man villain. Okay, it's someone like that. I can't remember. I'm yeah, it wasn't. I it wasn't. I can't find them. I just I remember it not being a major Superman villain. It just was. Yeah, they a don't villain because the book is mostly about Clark Kent coming to terms of who he wants to be. Um, this is actually a book that I recommended to someone who they stopped me. It's somebody I, I bullshit all the time with at work and they stopped me and was like, Superman, I don't get him. What should I read? And he gets stuff from the library. And I was like, well, the best Superman stories I've ever read is the earth one. And, um, uh, Grant Morrison's um, All-Star Superman. Like, yeah. eh, you want to boil them down in a sense and understand the character? I think these are the two books that do that very well versus what you know from being in the zeitgeist, you know, of what Superman it, it is. Works al- yeah, it works alongside that. And I love the fact that you don't even get Lex Luthor until volume two of the graphic novel series. Wow. I I love this one so much that it made me dislike the Batman one when it came out. And Batman was set up to be one of my favorites because Batman, again, one of my favorite superheroes, written and drawn by two of my favorite DC Comics creatives with Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. It's amazing to be so let down by something you're so looking forward to where I don't care about Superman, but they did such a great job with this book that this still stands as, I think, one of the strongest in the Earth One series. One of the strongest Superman books that I've read. And I mean, for something that's other than just like a single issue, like what do you get for the man for tomorrow of tomorrow or Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the Alan Moore story. Yeah. Which is a great story. This It's one of my... it's I'd say it's probably one of the best Superman stories that is a great beginning for that character. And it's not just like, you are the last son of Krypton and you have a goal to chosen, be the chosen one and raise above everyone and save the world. It's... I'm 20... I'm an 18 to 20-something year old don't know what i want to do with my life i could go play i could go be a football star and make millions i could go to this science lab and be a science all-star i could do this i could do that but he chooses to write for a newspaper and be a superhero you know like it's a great telling of that story of of a man really trying to come to terms with who he wants to be in his life uh, I just need to Google it quick because I don't remember how far out we are from Superman Birthright coming out. 
Um, oh, Birthright was... But Birthright's still lauded as, like, the Superman retelling. Uh, that was September uh, 2003 through September 2004 for those 12 issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Mark Wade, who, yeah, does get it. He does nail it. Uh, art in that one, also done by Lennel Francis Yu, who did yeah. High Road. Um, what was that Superman book that Paul made us read that we... This is boring. Is that Superman for All Seasons? No, we like Superman for All Seasons, I think. There was that one book. We thought it was going to be like a short. It was going to be a regular trade, and then it was the whole series. Oh, you you, you didn't like a... It was... uh, With the the, uh, African mass, he goes and finds and... Um, he stopped some poachers. What was that? Was that the Mark what Wayne What was one? that? Because I don't even remember that book. Do we? Was that a thing we read? Yeah. Was that the Mark? Was that the Mark Wade one? Wasn't that Birthright? I think it was Birthright. Was it? Let me. Was that yeah, Secret Identity? I, I will go on Comicsology and look at my Maybe. list and see. Because I think we've read a Superman Secret Identity. I think we did that one because that was a Kurt Busiek one, and then there was the Superman Birthright. Regardless, we've read those, and they're constantly just called, like, the best retelling of the Superman origin. I think the Earth-1 doesn't get enough love because it's so removed from the DC Universe being that Earth-1 original graphic novel that I think more people need to pay attention to that one. And then, you know, maybe dip your toes into some of the other ones, like Wonder Woman or Green Lantern. Maybe check out Teen Titans if you're a fan of those characters. Like, eh, don't don't no, check out the Teen Titans one. That's why I said maybe. Like, I was not a fan of those ones, but they're still there. Like, it's still something you can check out. And you know, maybe if enough people still buy those, we'll eventually get Aquaman and the Flash. That Flash one's been on the book since the beginning. We, I think, in one of our episodes where we go to a comic book convention. I don't think we actually talked to Francis Manipole about it, but I think it was one of the things that they were talking about at the convention. Yeah. It was one of those things that, yeah, it was going to be Manipole doing the story and the art. And then I think he was doing story and art for the Flash series, a Superman series, and whatever else he was writing, he was doing double duty on. But yeah, and no offense yeah, to Fran. I did have birthright. And, okay, so it might be birthright then. And it is one of those ones that yeah. is toted to be like, oh, this is the best one. That's why Paul picked it. But it was bore. It was boring. And I think also it was we had already read the Earth One, so it was like, yeah, what do I need this for? Because the uh, whole, I, the whole like first issue is him just as a reporter in a third world country. And it was like it was almost three hundred. It was two hundred and seventy nine pages. Oh. Yeah, two hundred and eighty. Sorry, like we, I sat down to read the night before and read half of it, and then finished it the next day. And Chris, I think you were like pounding. I, re- I read it that day. <laughs> yeah, it was like pounding through it. Uh, I think you nailed it though, John. When you say like, if you're talking to someone who wants to read Superman comics. Earth One and then All Star Superman. Like, not 
a big Grant Morrison fan. I considered having another Grant Morrison book on my list here, but it's been years since I've read it, and I don't even own it anymore. Um, my next book is that the filth. My next book is uh, for trades that we don't love. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's All Star Superman though. Like, it's it nails kind of that. 1960s craziness uh, when Superman was out and like comic books were the next big thing with the modern sensibility and I think it, it does it well yeah just the, just the issue where Clark Kent's interviewing Lex Luthor in prison and Lex is like and now I'm going to be shaking hands with a monkey and this is going to be the picture that you run alongside this like, I think that's in volume 2 though is that not okay? I think it's a. It's good though. Yeah, it's great. Wait, him in prison eh, talking to a monkey isn't that All Star Superman? Yeah, it's All Star Superman. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, oh yeah, All Star Superman. Yeah, because it's great. It's Anyways, great. All Star Superman's great. Earth One Superman's great. Let's talk about things that aren't so great. Unless you guys are talking about yet another beer. Uh, I'm ready to go for my next of the Funky Buddha Premium Hard Seltzers. If you guys are ready to go. I'm ready to go. Nice. I got one. Um, so this one... In case John doesn't. Oh, John, John just ran away, so either he's getting his next beer or he really has to go. <laughs> uh, but the next one is their Tangy Kiwi Tangerine. And it says Kiwi Tangerine on the label, but I don't get either one of those flavors on it. And honestly, this one's very much like a cucumber water. Like, if you have, like, an infused cucumber water, this is that. Um, I could probably look up the ingredients on this. It just says, like, water, alcohol from cane sugar, blue agave, and natural flavors. I feel like there's actually no kiwi or tangerine in this. Because I'm looking for that kind of like tropical citrus bite and I'm not getting it. But there's still nothing wrong with this. It just tastes a lot like a cucumber seltzer, which is fine on a hot day. Uh, but this is not my favorite of the four. But it's not my least favorite. I don't even know if I'll talk about my least favorite one once we get to that. Because we still got we still got one more book to talk about. Do you guys remember I had a seltzer on the show a couple weeks ago? Do you remember what flavor it was? I don't because I don't I don't I, I, I don't. Does, Did you drink into it? Does grapefruit kiwi sound like something I talked about before? It doesn't, but it does, but yet somehow it does. Raspberry lime, cherry lemonade, raspberry. Yes, all oh, of that. All right, cherry lemonade. Yes, and well, also raspberry. I'm just going to yes. talk about grapefruit kiwi. Okay, well. Before you do that, I'm going to talk about from uh, Barrel Brothers, Trends, which is their uh, slushy beer. This is their pineapple guava slushy, and it has big guava up front. And then it kind of hits you with that prickly kind of pineapple aftertaste. And this is also a thick smoothie beer. Uh, Barrel Brothers is a beer company that I found through Super Friend of the Show, Ed. Uh, 
he let me know about them with their NA IPA. It's their the best NA IPA that I've ever had. The space uh, state sponsored juicing. I do not know if it's uh, around here at all, but you can go on their website, Barrow Brothers, and order uh, beer from them and just use a uh, coupon code ship a case all one word ship a case for your first order and it'll ship for free if you don't ship for free they will charge you fifty dollars for shipping which is insane i will never buy that much beer all at once to make fifty dollars worth of shipping worthwhile uh i did buy a bunch of their beers uh and i'll be having them sporadically on the show uh, some non-alcoholic, some alcoholic. And uh, this is an alcoholic one. This is 7%. And this is... Uh, it's not as good as the froth. It isn't because the froth just is like so sweet, so strawberry up front. Maybe I just not don't like guava as much as some people should because it looks... It, that looks delicious. looks the same. But, you know, maybe I just don't enjoy guava and uh, pineapple together. So, it's good. It's definitely in the same vein as that froth. And I'm glad I'm having them back-to-back. Maybe I'm just, like, my taste buds are so thrown off. But, um, there it is. John! I'm drinking a hard seltzer that I may have reviewed before on the show. But this is from Two Robbers Craft Hard Seltzer. This is their grapefruit kiwi. Um... I there's been a few hard seltzers that I actually enjoy that I would be like, oh, I would drink this again. I would like to have this. I would make a cocktail out of this. And two robbers are the ones that I would like. Oh, yeah, this would be fun to mix with different things. But the grapefruit kiwi is my favorite out of the pack. I listed already uh, the Mm -hmm. flavors that are in it. Um but this really just nails. It's got that grapefruit up front, finishes with kiwi, which is like the best kiwi flavoring I've ever had in a drink mm-hmm. or in a candy or something that's supposed to taste like kiwi. Uh, just really, really good, really refreshing, something that I will definitely be enjoying in the summer. Like, it's just really. What do you do? What do you want to do, like, Aperol spritzes with it? Like, you know, those Italian bitter, like, digestifs uh, mixed with mixed with that? Like, something uh, a little bit more bitter? Or would you... I would... Like, what, what, what I would, would you want to do, do with the maybe, like, um... I would do, like, some vodka or some gin or something add some actual okay, flavors gin, or something to it like gin with gin with fruit that could work yeah, yeah i would just kind of i would maybe look to see like oh this cocktail hat takes like you're supposed to use grapefruit juice and seltzer water and then be like oh you know what i'll use a grapefruit seltzer water instead see how it goes cuz the flavors are popping in this mm-hmm. seltzer um I'm going to talk about my last one because the starfruit one, I don't need to dwell on. Like, it was a seltzer, but from the Funky Buddha pack, the passion fruit, dragon fruit one's probably my favorite because it just has that nice tropical flavor to it. Um, not a seltzer person, but 
I have no issues having bought this sampler pack to have just cool on in the refrigerator for those days where I get home and it's already 95 degrees out. Oh, or geez. like the days that I go grocery shopping and by the time I get home, I'm already sweating. Um, the passion fruit dragon fruit is fantastic. And I had a passion fruit beer maybe two or three weeks ago on the show. And it was just so like armpitty sweaty and John pointed out that that's just like a hard flavor for drinks to have because like you can either nail it alongside the other flavors with it or you fail and it just tastes bad. And the Funky Buddha Seltzer here is doing it really well. Um, hmm. Of the four like in, that come in the sampler pack, this one's my favorite, then followed by the pineapple, then the kiwi tangerine, which is technically cucumber, and then the star fruit at the end. Again, none of them are bad, but... This is the best of the best. There you go. So, uh, let's talk about the, not the worst of the worst. There's plenty of reasons. These might have been our original graphic novels that we loved at one point. We did buy them, uh, and we read them, and maybe we held on to them, and now it's just like, you know what? We're done with them. It's over. And, uh... Should I go first because I kind of brought this to the yeah, table? Yeah. The, okay. Uh, I think it's obvious. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Craig Thompson's. I know you're going to think, oh, Habibi Paul. It's Habibi. It's going to be Blankets. Wow. You so, love Blankets. I did love Blankets. I think it's and, definitely Habibi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well. And that's the thing. Like, I got rid of Habibi. I got it. Uh, rid of uh, goodbye, uh, goodbye, chunky rice. But I loved blankets. It's a coming of age tale. It's an autobiographical story of Craig Thompson, who grew up in a very religious household. He went to Bible camp. He he, he always wanted to be an artist. He was always drawing. His teachers didn't like what he was drawing because you know sometimes you know kids draw crazy shit and. Uh, and his parents got a hold of some of his drawings and, had, you know, they burned them because they weren't, you know, because he was drawing weird stuff. And him coming to grips with how he was brought up versus who he actually is as a person. And uh, his first real uh, falling in love and also his first falling out of love. And it's it's a great story. It's It's wonderful. It's just... I'm no longer interested in that person, you know, it's, it's interesting. The first, you know, when I was in my early twenties, like, Oh, this is a person that I can kind of relate to. And I I can, granted, you know, he grew up with a younger brother and they kind of fought and maybe he was kind of an asshole to his younger brother. And I was an asshole to my younger brother. Like there was, uh, you know, I could, see myself in that and then Craig Thompson you know he grows up and I followed him because I'm like oh yeah I I really have a connection with this artist and he's now grown in such a way that I no longer relate to and when I go back to read Blankets I'm no longer that 20 year old like looking for that you know that slice of life comic comic that I relate to because I'm now much older I'm much, much older than my early 20s. Um, 
So I don't really have a connection to that, who I was in my early 20s looking for those kind of connections in, in the art. So it's just a book I, I've grown out of. And uh, it's a book that I loved. It's a book I would recommend for people in their early, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, just to kind of let them know that, hey, they might not be alone in these kind of situations. There are other people that grew up similarly. Uh, but now, who even knows what, you know, late teens, early 20s are dealing with? Like, TikTok are there viewers. Bible camps still? Yeah. Uh, is it all is it all Zoom calls and Jesus on Zoom? Like, I don't know. Like, is there prayer email chains? So maybe this wouldn't even relate to that. So, uh, yeah. So Blankets. That's a original graphic novel that I absolutely loved, but I will never need to go back to. Wow. Hi. I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked because that was your, like coming of age book like as yeah, you started walking around with a blanket after that <laughs> exactly <laughs> you made us call you linus after that <laughs> um no but you guys understand like what i'm saying like though right like i understand there's a reason why yeah there's, there's a, a reason why, why 20 years ago you lo- you loved it yeah and now that you're almost 40 you're like yeah this book's for kids it was well it's not for kids but you know there's there was a time and a place for it, you've, and it really hit me in that time. You've matured past it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now it's like that's uh, okay. Like I get having that feel analogous to where you were in life at that point, and now you're just looking back and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like everything was so trivial. Like this doesn't matter now. Like I have bills. I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> No, that that's fine. I'm just kind of surprised by it because I. That's one of those books that when we all started like hanging out and reading comics and sharing our comics, that was you know. To steal a bag and boardism, that's what you brought to the table. That was your like, hey guys, that was Paul's. That was Paul's baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I still really love it for what it is, and how I came to it and how I related to it at the time. Mm. But now when I go back to read it, I'm like, it feels a little, like it's just slow. It's just a slice of life comic. And I no longer relate to it in the same way as I once did. You're not sharing a room with two brothers anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so when I, it was a hard one. Like, I, I cleaned up this room. I got rid of a lot of stuff. I actually went and, like, paged through it one last time. I'm like, can I actually get rid of this book? Did you page and, through Goodbye Chunky Rice one last time? Because I feel like that one is very good as a standalone, like, hey, here's how to deal with lost book. Yeah. Like, that, if I had to read another Craig Thompson book again, it would probably be that one. Just because of how it handles the subject matter, like I feel like it's done in like a mature way for what right. feels more like a kid's book. See, I'd go back. Yeah, and that, that, I'd go back to Habibi. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's the one of the books that I had a real hard time with from uh, Craig Thompson was uh, Shanate Voyage, See, which is that one. I feel it's, like isn't it's, even a real book though because it's a it's a travel blog. Yeah, 
it's a travel blog in a, a comic book form. And it's interesting, it's beautiful, because he does sketches of, like, what's around him. But again, it's just kind of, I felt, when I went page through it this time, before deciding to let it go, it just feels voyeuristic. It's not, because it's, he's not taking you along with it, it's his personal thoughts, it's his journal. You know, just, and he actually talks about, like, oh, I need a page count for this, you know, to for Top Shelf, and to publish this book as they, you know, so I can get paid for all these travels. And I'm like, okay, now I'm just like, dude, I'm kind of feeling like you're using me as a reader here. <laughs> like I bought this book. Like, and now you're just like filling out page count by doing these sketches. I, like, see, I'm okay with that more than I am reading an actual slice of life book, because I think when you said they feel voyeuristic, I get that. Like, I don't read a lot of slice of life books anymore because it's just, we all have things that we go through. And it's like when someone asks you how you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm fine. How are you? Mm-hmm. Being in a customer service job, if I say to someone like, oh, how's it going? And they're like, well, you know what? My <laughs> wife left me. So now I have to piece together every other part of my life because she burned all my clothes on the front yard. And then my kids just lost all respect for me, seeing me walk around the streets naked as I was yelling. I was like, like, I'm just saying like, hey, hi, is it cool if I put your stuff in the bag or do you want to carry it? Like, I, I don't like that social interaction and that slice of life book is basically forcing yeah. me to thumb through that like page by page. Um, mm-hmm. I get autobiographical stuff, but it's the same reason I didn't like having to read Angela's ashes. Like it's just, it's hard to read about that kind of stuff sometimes. And you're going to make me read pages about how you used to jerk off to sheep on a hill. Like, Fuck, like not not in Craig Thompson. Not in Craig Thompson. That's <laughs> Angel's Ashes. Frank McCourt. Why? Like I I like reading comics or word books or seeing movies for that escapism. Like I like reading about fake problems. I don't want to hear about like the twins dying. Like Well not only that, they made us read the book, then they made us watch the movie. Huh. Yep. Because they had to drink too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I to, to your point. I had a uh, a cust- one of my regulars come in who was buying beer, and I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Well, hot water, hot water tank uh, shit the bed yesterday. Someone stole my identity, but my credit card still works. So I'm buying some beer. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good." I was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, the only thing that's uh, crappy that's happened to me is." Uh, we ordered a sectional couch months ago. Three out of the five pieces arrived. And then uh, yesterday, uh, I was supposed to get the last two pieces. Only one of the pieces showed up that was right. And, uh, you know, we can't cancel and get our money back because we got rid of our couch. He's like, yeah, well, that fucking sucks. How's this, <laughs> how's this beer? That's pretty good. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> I think my interaction is a little better than, than yours, Chris. Yours ends in beer. <laughs> Chris's ends in like, okay, let's clothe you, and so you're not as naked. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. 
And sp- and speaking of being clothed, I have Grant Morrison and Chris Weston's The Filth. I'm surprised you still have that book. It's it's something that it just gets put on my shelf and forgotten about cuz I read I I think I fin- I'm fairly positive I finished this book. I'm surprised you were able to do that cuz I could not. It it is it is not it is not good. And this is like Grant Morrison's insane version of like Alan Moore's top ten. Where Oh fuck, I forgot about Top Ten. That was a good book. Top Ten's And I don't even like a lot of Alan Moore stuff. Top Ten is great because he's pulling from every He's pulling from everything that he's ever watched and liked. Doctor Who, comic books, sci-fi. And Grant Morrison, it feels like he's doing the same thing. But just in the out there depraved Grant Morrison world. And this is, I mean, Grant Morrison is one of those people that with the amount of content that he's put out there, I probably like 60% of it, and there's 40% that's just no-go. It's not worth reading. And what I think is insane is, like, the Comics Journal wrote, Filth is the best thing Morrison has ever written. He's folded everything he's ever learned about the craft into a living, breathing, fictional universe of such a vivid, uh, vivid conception. No! It is, it is legit awful. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it's just not good. And I don't. And this is a book that came out kind of in our seminal comic book buying years where you're being told like, oh, Grant Morrison is, you know, one of those comic book modern masters and like you need to read this. And I tried to, and I could not. And there's very much two sides to that Grant Morrison coin, where it's telling the superhero, like, comics company-owned characters, where he's kind of reined in a little bit more, but he can kind of play in his weird, nihilistic sandbox. Those stories I tend to enjoy a little bit more not always but a little bit more which is why Arkham Asylum was almost one of my picks for this because that's just a great Batman book and just breaking down Batman and all of his characters um, but then you have the other stuff where it's like just and this is a Vertigo book and it's his kind of like side or self-published stuff where I'm like it's kind of too weird to keep up with, so I can't. Outside of... Oh, actually, maybe We Three was actually a Vertigo book, too. I can't remember. Yeah. But and that book is really great and heartbreaking, so he gets an okay for that one. Well, even, like, Sea Guy. Sea Guy is a book... Oh, Sea Guy was really fucking weird, too. Yeah, but it was, like, fun and bright and good. Like, yeah. it was like, oh, this is... It's crazy that... Grant Morrison made this book. And, I mean, I have 
different Grant Morrison books on my shelf that it's like, oh yeah, no, that's a classic. Oh yeah, no, that's really good. Oh yeah, he did a great job. We just talked about his All Star Superman. Yeah, we, like, yeah, just discuss that. And it's it's just one of those things that like it's it's fifty fifty with him. I mean, uh, Animal Man. His Animal Man is prob I think probably one of his best things that he's ever written, and it was early mm-hmm. in his in his career, but. He did a really fantastic job. I think when he took over Doom Patrol, his Grant Morrison craziness worked with that series. It worked with that series. It made it an actual mm-hmm. thing that people remember and like. And yeah, this is just one of those things that he did that it was like, oh yeah, the filth, people talk about it. I got to read it. And it was like, like, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. It's just it's it's awful. I'm gonna do one of, I'm gonna do one of these things where I just throw it. David Letterman <laughs> <laughs> uh, broken glass noise. Yeah. That's why I went. Yeah, I know. And then I specified this broken glass noise. I feel like it worked. I think it worked too, but I thought it was funny to say broken glass noise. Because that's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna do until Paul stepped over my joke. Oh, I'm sorry. We had this. He we had this great. We had this great it. banter afterwards. Chris, what guys? Am I? Am I allowed to talk about Habibi because we had mentioned it before? <laughs> Are you going to pick? Was Habibi your pick? As soon as you were like, "Oh, I thought we were picking one we didn't like," that's instantly where my <laughs> mind yeah. went because comic books again. It's a great medium for escapism, and you can handle real-world issues and do it well. Um, throw it out to Mark Spiegelman's mouse, mm-hmm. you know, telling the story of the Holocaust using cartoon mice. You can have a book be heavy and have weight, but still not have it completely wreck you where it's hard to turn the next page. And Habibi really was that. And there's a reason when we started doing this show and that was brought to the table. It took us so long. Yeah, early, early on. It took us like months to actually record the episode about it because it was just hard to read a story about a child being sold off as like a bride. I can't remember anything about the story, but I can remember how reading that book made me feel. And that it's, was enough to make me be like, no, I don't enjoy reading this. And I remember. I, don't think I ever want to revisit this. I remember everything about that story. It is burned into my brain that I was forced to read this book. I, it was a retelling of Shia she, she is Zard. Charizard? No. If if Charizard showed up in that book, it would have been a cool book. (laughs) The premise, I mean, the the thing, it was was a hardback, beautiful looking book. I mean, the art that that man put into that and the story that he was telling that was not a story I was aware of, but it was a story of a little boy and a woman who basically adopted him and then 
was the woman was stolen off and the boy was put into servitude who then meets these eunuchs who then castrate the boy who then he becomes a works in the palace and the woman that raised him is then one of the sultans in his harem and then in the end the two run off together is the story of habibi but it is very long it is very drawn out and it is not but something. It's a, it's a again. It's Craig Thompson. It's a very good looking book. Like the oh, art and the detail beautiful. and like the colors, the, panels. the color yeah. of the lines he did, and then everything. It's black and white, so no. It was like it was like think. blue. He would do like oh. colors that you can't see, Paul. Oh, because there was sense. no shading. It was just like <laughs> the outlines of everything in different colors. It's a beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful book. But again, mm-hmm. it just, I think. I was excited for it because it was the first I read, well, first I went Red Blankets, then I went back and read Goodbye Chunky Rice, then I read Shanata Voyage, and this was his first major. Like, he's going to tell his own story. It's not autobiographical. This is his first big work. And I'm like, I'm in. Pre-order. This, yeah, it's like a it's it like a Kickstarter in, Don, that you go. would pay extra money for. Yeah, I was I was excited for it. I it came in. I'm like, guys, we got to read this for the podcast. I read it full of my like Craig Thompson, like just fanboy, like like oh, this is gorgeous. This is a gorgeous book. This is wonderful. This is so great. It's telling a completely different story from a completely different perspective than I'm aware of. This is like me taking my intro to uh, religious, uh, what, what was it, Eastern religion philosophy courses or something like that in college. I'm like, this is just teaching me something from a completely different point of view. You guys are going to love it because it's showing you a completely different point of view. It's it's so beautiful. I love that. How can't you love it? picked it, he read it, and then was like, oh, these guys will love this. And then Chris had it for like two months. <laughs> and then he finished it, and he was like, whoa, man. And he gave it to me, and I started reading it. And then I was like, let's pick a date, because the day before this is due, I will read it, because that is how we're going to get this done. And I think we had done like one or two other trade-in policies, and then there was like four to five months between <laughs> them. And then it was like, so, oh, let's do does this. It, does it mean it's a great comic because it makes you feel something? Because I can I can buy into that well, argument. Like, Because my other pick for this would have been the Hellfire Club art <laughs> from Chris Claremont that Paul also made us read. Because that's never been the side of the X-Men books that I've ever liked. And actually having Dark gone Phoenix back to read saga. that. Okay. Which is the it is, like the pinnacle? Everybody talks. Everybody about talks it. about how great it is, and it's like those people have rose-colored glasses on that need the shit slapped out. Everybody of talks about how great birthright is. Chris, even on this podcast, talked about how great birthright and is, and then he remind him that he didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I say because it was just one of those things. Like, I... and then I pick it, and then it's trash. That's how it goes. Well, it it just fits in. I mean. If you never had us read Habibi, we never would have the thing of like, oh, this is a Paul trade. Oof. 
<laughs> hey, listen, you have oh, to There's pause- an alternate universe out there where you pick something different and then we're like, oh, man. Wait, Paul, what are you picking this one? I can't wait to read it. <laughs> but it's like, hey, Paul, when Paul picks a trade, it's like, ugh, boy. <laughs> when I pick an issue one because I think it's creative, we know it's not good. <laughs> then we, we wind up with Nailbiter. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Is, is a long-going series. People seem to like that book. Yeah. People love Birthright and people love uh, Dark Phoenix Saga. What can I say? What can I say? Paul knows that people are wrong. T- taste is all subjective. Uh, and that's kind of why it's fun having books that you can bring to the table. And we're pretty much forcing each other to read books that we might not normally like to read. Because there are those times where something... You know, it gets put in front of you, and you do wind up enjoying it more than you thought you would. And I think that kind of speaks to the medium, because, again, cliche, you can't judge a book by its cover. And sometimes it takes being forced to sit down and read it for you to be like, oh, okay, I I get this. Or, oh, I enjoy this. I would like more of it. And I think that's kind of the thing that doing the podcast has made me realize, because... It's not just me buying a comic book, sitting down, reading it, and then being like, nope, don't like that one, and then throwing it off to the side. It's sitting down, reading a comic book, and then having to sit here and talk about it for three yeah. hours because there's the lead-up chit-chat, there's the side chit-chat, and then there's the actual episode talk. You come to feel different about things sometimes. Yeah, when you have to defend something and, and describe why you like it or describe why you dislike it, you can actually talk yourself into the opposite or double down. Uh, I, I don't remember what book it was, but John, last month for the look back, you brought something to the table that on my initial reading I did not care for, but then it was when we were actually sitting around was it talking about The Maniac? Mani- yes. Maniac in, yeah, it was like the killer one. Maniac in New York City, or whatever it was. Yeah. The one that I did not like at all. It took, but that's the thing, like, it took sitting down and talking about it, where it finally came around, and it was like, no, like, I do enjoy this. Because it is, what did, what did he, I understand why you would like it. Because of the whole, like, what is it, Jason in Manhattan? Yeah. Jason, Jason takes Jason Manhattan. Jason takes Manhattan and then stays in Manhattan. With the Muppets. And, and kills. And keeps killing. And I didn't like it because it felt like an, an, it was a failed, uh, not analog. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Metaphor. Failed metaphor for uh, mass shootings or even COVID. <laughs> like, hey. You get together in a big group, you're just inviting death to your party. You know, that may mean. I mean, you go outside, you're gonna get killed. Hey, CDC today announced, I no longer need to wear a mask. I'm a week and a half away from... from Your second shot? Uh, yeah, because I go, I think I'm like the 27th. I have to double check my date. <clears throat> But also you, announced Disney's and Universal are, are all relaxing their social distancing where it's being cut down from the six feet to three feet. So mm-hmm. lines won't be as long for attractions and shows, which I'm of two minds about. I 
like being told, like, hey, no, like, it's it's safer to be close to people. But then I also hate the fact that I'm going to be losing my personal space bubble because I just don't like people. Yeah, I think three feet is probably the perfect amount of space that people should just give me yeah, you should always just be three feet away from me. Minimum. I have long yeah. arms. At any point in time, I'm going to be gesturing towards something. I don't mm-hmm. want you behind me. Kate, to this day, talks about how we were on the in line for flight of uh, Peter Pan. What is Peter Pan's flight? Yeah. And there's this woman that kept on, like, every time we got to a corner... She would like lean, like physically lean up against Kate to try to peek around the corner. And it was an older woman. It wasn't like she was like a 12 year old or something. She was in her 50s and would like would press her body up against Kate to look around the corner. And she's like, What the hell's going on? Like, don't touch me just because we're in line <laughs> doesn't mean like the social norm is broken here. Like, Give me my space. Disney, put down those lines. Put up the plexiglass. Don't let people in next to me. Come on. Do you say anything to her? I don't know. No. Oh, no. That happens. I throw myself backwards. <laughs> I, that's a... That's a... Do you mind? I have, I have a backpack on when I go to the theme parks. And it's full of knives. <laughs> I don't know how I get through security with it. That beer was too thick and it's hurt. <laughs> oh. Anyways, hey, if there's any graphic novels that you love or you absolutely do not love and can't go back to, let us know. Email us, begboardcast at gmail.com. Comment on the show notes for this page on your social media of choice. Rate and review us. Or if you're like me and there was a comic book or trade that you absolutely loved... And now can no longer go back to. Because I think that's an important distinction. Not everything's Habibi where I forced you guys to read it and you now hate it. Maybe there was something you loved at one point and now have outgrown. I mean, my honorable mention is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And the subsequent... Wait, honorary mention to like no, or dislike. to hate? To dislike. Okay, wow. Um, and a lot of it comes from the stuff that happened after that first trade. But then I went... I was like one of those like Paul things like, oh, the second trade just finished up and the third one came out. I'll go back and read them all. And then like rereading them, I was like, man, maybe I don't like these. Yeah. And um, that was going to that was going to be my pick until we talked about Grant Morrison with Superman and how (laughs) there's some books that he's, you know, you love and some you don't. And I was like, oh, filth is staring right at me. And that book was unreadable. (laughs) Sell them, man. Sell those books. Get rid of them. Get some money for well, them. We stepped, hey. we stepped all over Chris's closing. No, no. I was, I was just wrapping it up. Maybe people are still listening at this point. Who knows? I mean, they, they should I, be. I, I would look up the filth on eBay and see maybe you can sell that and buy yourself High Roads Volume One. <laughs> uh, I don't. It, it's it's nine ninety nine for the full volume on Comicsology. So I I doubt it. But maybe it's signed. Maybe <laughs> it's the digital copies autograph that makes it work. <laughs> no, no, no. Your your physical one is signed by uh, by Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Let's oh, say. geez. Uh, 
You know, I don't have that many signed trades. I got Ezreal, Kevin Smith, and um, who is the artist on uh, Powers? Um, uh, Michael Avon Oming. Yeah, I got Oming on a couple of them. See, all my signed stuff was actual single issues outside of like any sketches or original pages that I have. The only signed trade I have is the Coheed and Cambria one that I found just randomly at a comic book store. And I was like, oh, like three bucks? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll buy this. Yeah. I don't have any trade signed. I just have... The single issue signed, and only a few. See, when I purged all my comic books, I had no issues with getting rid of my issues. Yeah, and again, like I had a lot of big comic book creators and people that I loved sign those books when we would go to conventions because that was mm-hmm. at that time that was part of it. I was like, oh, I can have Jeff Johns sign this book. I don't even remember yeah. what I had him sign, but I know when I purged all my books, I was like, oh, like. Issue 24 of whatever, you know, signed by Jeff Johns. I actually, and some the, of the Flash stuff that I had was signed by Michael Turner because he was doing all the Flash covers at that time. For me, that was just a book that I had because I liked Michael Turner art. But, you know, when I sold those online, someone was probably like, oh, shit, I can have Flash 204 signed by Michael Turner and Peter Segerwald, who did the colors for him. Like, Awesome. Oh, okay. So the people actually cared that it was signed? I, I think so, because money. I sold stuff in exactly. lots. Like, I didn't just, like, unload everything. Like, I did it kind of as arcs, but I'm assuming the people that bought it were like, oh, mm. cool. Mm. I'm just placing my hopes on them. They might have just bought it to be like, eh, whatever. I just need to fill in these gaps in my collection. Yep. All right. And if you're looking to sell stuff, we're not buying but we would love for you to uh, sell us your rating and review over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Email us, magnumboardcast at gmail.com. And uh, have a good night, everybody.